The people who live in Metcalf Park should be able to make the decisions for themselves, and they should also benefit from any decisions being made for and about their community, right? Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Ashley Benson. I'm Casey O'Hollick. And today's episode is featuring women in our community who are truly living out our mission. They are bridging together people, resources, and ideas that inspire their neighborhood into action daily. We are joined by Melody and Miela, who you may recognize from PBS's Local USA episode featuring Metcalf Park Community Bridges. Before we dive in, let's get to some important housekeeping. We are a quarter into 2021, and we have some amazing new patrons this year. In February, Kelly Share became a patron after listening to our 100th episode. Thank you so much, Kelly. And by the way, she is Ben and my former boss and has been cheering us on since we were right out of undergrad. We are so lucky to have all of our patrons supporting us to help us create this podcast. I think it's great that we are shouting out our patrons because I want you guys to know how much we talk about them in our meetings and how valued they are and that they let us continue doing our work. Another way to support us is if while you're listening to this intro, grab your phone, Go to your podcast app and please write and subscribe. And if you really like what we're doing and you want to support our work, consider becoming a patron of ours on Patreon. As you guys know, we're all volunteers here at Bridge the City, but your support makes it easier for us to keep building the Bridge the City community. Absolutely. And without further ado, let's kick it over to Melody and Miela. My name is Miela Fatau. I'm the co-producer and co-director of Metcalf Park Black Vote Rising, along with my colleague and my boss, Brad Lichtenstein of 371 Productions. I'm Melody McCurtis. I am the deputy director and organizer at Metcalf Park Community Bridges. First of all, I loved this short film. It was so well done. It had me intrigued and ready for even more. I feel like it it happened so quickly. I really enjoyed it. And something that really had me and my partner laughing and we even paused to talk about it was the time that Melody, your mom fired you. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? But really more so what it's like to work so closely and passionately with your mom. Yeah, you know, this is a good question. Nobody has, people have skirted around asking me this question. So I'm glad that it was very uh, direct. Um, you know, it's it's challenging at times working with my mom. Um, we are just alike. Uh, we're very passionate about our beliefs, our community, um, and what we do. So you know, it's it's a it's a beautiful combination of all of those things, but it it gets tough sometimes, right? And one of the things that I joke and say is that you know, Danielle is ninety eight percent right all the time. I don't know why she's always right. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned to do over the years is if I if I've been proven wrong, I tell her that she's right. 
but it, it never gets easy that she's always right about things. Um, and my friends joke about that too, but yeah. So, you know, I was in transition, you know, you, you, before you get in this work, um, it's almost like you're existing with a net over your, your eyes and over your face and just over everything that you know. Right. Um, and when you start getting into this work and you start doing this work, um, that netting starts to lift up. It starts to come, to come off. So there were still things that I were, I was doing not necessarily that I wanted to do, but that I had to do right in order to, uh, feel like I was living for the sake of me and my children. Um, and she fired me and that, and that just really shows the integrity, integrity that, that Danelle has and the seriousness that she has about this work. Um, so I appreciate her firing me. I don't appreciate her, you know, keep bringing this up. You know, it's been, it's been years, years ago now at this point, but, uh, it really, it really helped to shape me. Right. Um, and I think people need to really understand Danelle, like, you know, she'll fire her daughter for, you know, disrespecting the community or making the community look bad. You know, you can only imagine how she approaches this work when it comes to collaborating in partnerships and folks mistreating the people that live in Metcalf Park. And when you say netting, was that the netting was coming, trying to starting to, to come off as you were getting into this work, does that mean maybe the seeing the insecurities in your neighborhood or the vulnerability of the people in your neighborhood, what is that netting for you? The, the netting really is to, it's almost like you're going through a state of shock because mm -hmm. for example, if, if I'm poor, right. And I've always been poor. And then I do quote unquote, everything right to not be poor anymore. Right. I go to school, I graduate, I go to college and then I'm still poor, you know, if I, if I wasn't in this work, I would still think that it's something about me. When you get in this work, you, you really understand that for black people, everything in your life is already designed for you, right? The outcome. And only a few people get to, uh, to live right. Full, full lives. And unfortunately for black people that barely happens. So when I say the netting started to come out, I started to really learn about structural violence, structural racism, state violence, city violence, and really understand that, you know, the things that I'm, 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 I'm trying to do for myself and for my community, there's a whole bunch of roadblocks that have put it, put, been put in, uh, to place before I've even been born and, and, and walked this land and that my ancestors have had to try to fight and dismantle and tear down. And, you know, thinking about us being in 2021, really understanding that all of this stuff has been around and is really holding us back from, from being able to be valued in a real way where our humanity is at the center of, of all decisions and policies and procedures that exists um, not only in the United States, but in the world period for black people. So that, that's what's really the, the netting that covers you. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this year or 2021, excuse me, um, and 2020 played a role in exposing the structure, as you said, the structural violence, the city violence um, across the nation and in the city. And we've been getting um, a whole lot of press and publicity about that 
and I, I really, Miela, I really liked the way that you showcased the neighborhood, that you showcased the work of uh, Metcalf Community Bridges. Can you talk a little bit about um, what brought you into the story and, and why you wanted to share share this story? Absolutely. Um, first off, thank you, Casey. This film uh, was by far one of the best things about <laughs> 2020. Um, last spring, uh, we had our primary election in the midst of a pandemic. While a lot of states who shared the same election date as us or you know, uh, something similar, they had postponed their elections or found alternative measures to keep their residents safe. Uh, our state government didn't do that. So on April 7th, I, like many other people, like Melody, had a choice to make. Do we go out and vote knowing there is a global epidemic occurring and we are putting our lives in danger. Um, this was also the time, you know, we were at home for maybe a month. All we were hearing about COVID-19 was that people were dying left and right. And for me, primarily, I live in a community on the Northwest side of Milwaukee that has predominantly Black people. Um, and I remember vividly looking at the COVID tracker and my zip code was one of the hardest hit zip codes uh, in terms of people that were either being, um, that were affected by COVID or that had died as a result of contracting the virus. So um, voting is such a big staple in my family because my family and I immigrated here to this country and early on we were taught if you have the opportunity to vote, if we have the opportunity as a family to be citizen, this is what we need to do. So when we were younger, my parents would always take us to uh, their polling locations with them. And then I remember when I turned 18 and I voted for my first presidential election, my mom was on my left side, my dad was on my right. So to uh, not have that same experience of joy and excitement last year, but to genuinely be terrified, I was distraught, to be honest. Um, ultimately, I went to go vote at John Marshall High School, which was one of five polling locations in Milwaukee. Uh, polling locations in Milwaukee had gone from 180 to five. And uh, Marshall was one of the most populated ones. Uh, I went with my best friend. We stood in line for two and a half hours in the rain, <laughs> um, through all the different weather conditions. Uh, and ultimately we decided to vote, but it was by far one of the most difficult decisions I think I've ever made uh, because I was genuinely so terrified of contracting COVID because all the stories that we were hearing wasn't people were contracting COVID and surviving. We were hearing stories about black folks uh, and senior citizens and um, other disenfranchised communities that were contracting COVID and dying. Uh, and dying was the last thing that I, I wanted to happen. Yeah, I, like thousands of others, like you and Melody, I was forced to make that choice as well. 
similarly to Melody, my absentee ballot never came in. And I was also in the same boat of being terrified and also angry that I had to make this choice between my and my and community health or the right to vote. And it was such a scary time. And there were so many unknowns. And that was very frustrating. And on the flip side, I saw some really incredible community in that line. There were, I was at Riverside and there were neighboring homes that were bringing out water and sharing masks if somebody didn't have one. And that helped me get through that two and a half hour line. And I'm wondering for you both, what brought you hope while voting during a global pandemic? For me, what brought me hope voting in a pandemic, uh, like you said, Ashley, was the community that I was around. I don't think I would have voted if I if my friend was not there. I don't think I would have voted had I not been encouraged by my loved ones, uh, had my parents not reassured me that all I can do is stock up on whatever supplies I could in order to maintain sanitation and, and, and other things like that. And then weeks and months down the road, what gave me hope and reassurance that I made the right choice by voting during the primary election was seeing the work that Melody and Danelle were doing at Metcalf Park. Yes, and I think for me, um, it's, it's interesting because I remember um, in April's election in 2020, I had a mutual aid package in my trunk. And when I drove past Washington, I was like, oh, it's really, really packed. So I got time to go drop off this box and then come back because I was dreading getting in this line. So I dropped the box off. I came back. The line was even longer. And I think when I, you know, because when I got in the line, one of the Metcalf Park residents was in the line. So I joined the line with him. And I think that if he wasn't there, I wouldn't have stayed because like Miela said, it was so many different weather changes that day. It was warm. It was cold. It was rainy. It was all of these different things. I too stood in the line for two and a half uh, hours and he didn't have to be, he didn't have to wait in the line, you know, because he was, he was older. Um, he was a vet, all of these different things. And he told me that he could, he could gladly go to the, to the front of the line. He said, it's just that since his community is standing out here, he's going to stand out here with them. And I think that if I didn't have that uh, su support and being in line with, with him that day, I wouldn't have went um, because I was angry. I did all of the steps. I, I, I supported other folks to be able to do all of the steps to receive a, their ballot and I didn't get it, right? So my options was really chosen for me right, was to, to choose my health and my family's health um, by going out to vote or not voting at all in this very, very important election. Yeah. And I feel like for me personally, that sense of community in that line was kind of like a big <laughs> F you to the politicization of that election. And if it weren't for that community, I don't think so many people would have stayed in line and really made sure that 
our voices were heard. Kind of kind of going on the same line of, you know, Mila, you you mentioned the 180 voting places, polling places down to five. It was ab- absurd. And a man in the film mentioned, and I, I'm sorry, I don't write, remember his name, but he mentioned the past 10 years, not a single law in Wisconsin has made voting easier. What do you see as the biggest barrier Wisconsin voters face? And then what would you do to eliminate these voting restrictions that so many of Wisconsin residents go up against? Well, the first thing is it's it's a whole bunch of barriers, right? And I do agree with that statement. Um, you know, having a voter ID, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's, it, there's other places that you, you don't have to have a voter ID, right? To be able to vote. Um, the gerrymandering, right? So if some people that live on 34th street, even if there is a voting uh, location on 35th street, they might have to go vote all the way uh, at Washington high school or something like that because of the gerrymandering. So it's not accessible. I'm even thinking about when folks are released off of uh, parole or what we call is papers, um, even if they're felons, as long as they're not on papers, they're able to vote. And, you know, I'm connected indirectly and um, directly impacted folks of the incarceration system. And I know firsthand there's a a unwritten rule that uh, those parole officers don't even convey that with their with their folks that they can now vote. Right. They're now, you know, a a citizen again. Right. Um, So there's a lot of different things that really uh, had us working you know, for, for hours and hours and hours. Um, the online registration, all of the different deadlines, all of those different things is huge barriers. I really believe that absentee ballots should be sent out to every household period in the state of Wisconsin. Even if it's a letter to say, hey, this election is coming up. How many ballots do you need? Who do you need the ballots for, right? You can mail it back. You can call us up or you can go online and submit that, right? Um, we would have way more turnout. It would be way more accessible, right? Um, There are so many different things that could happen. You know, eliminating the voter ID, right? Um, The gerrymandering, the way they, we need more polling locations, right? So to to go down to five polling locations in April was ridiculous. But, But even when we open all the way up and have the 180, that still is not enough. Um, in Milwaukee specifically, that's not enough. Th- those are not enough uh, voting locations. In in Metcalf Park, we're we're only down to three voting locations. Um, even the advertisement around voting, right? A lot of elected offic- officials don't come out um, to the community. A lot of these organizations don't go to every door, right? They only knock on doors of people that already vote, and that defeats the purpose of getting everybody the opportunity to be able to access. Uh, their right to vote. Um, So even just creating that culture, and I think that that is also by design. You know, what would happen if if 95% of Wisconsin and Milwaukee voted, right? What would be possible? What would change? Um, And I think that that's why all of these uh, adjustments have been made in, in the past 10 years to really target BIPOC communities, um, 
access to voting. That's just the reality of it. I just really want to set up like what April 7th looked like for the state of Wisconsin. So we talk about how the polling locations in Milwaukee, a city with what, 600,000 residents, went from 180 to five. Whereas we look at the uh, city of Madison that has more than 250,000 residents. However, on election day, they had 66 polling sites open in comparison to our five. So when we think about not only barriers that systematically prevent low-income neighborhoods, college students, Black, Indigenous, people of color communities from voting, this was just another perfect example. What happened? I mean, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Madison normally has 90, 92 polling sites. So 92 polling sites to 66, that stinks. 180 to five. I just can't, I, I, I can't fathom that that reality, like looking back, I'm still shocked. And and to be honest, when it comes to voting, it comes down to the Republican run legislator, legislature, Wisconsin GOP leader leaders strategically made it harder for people to vote, especially black residents in Milwaukee. I mean, there was an investigation done by, um, a news organization in the UK that showed um, that showed demographic data based on leaked documents from the Trump campaign um, that showed demographic data to systematically dissuade voters in Milwaukee's primarily black neighborhoods from participating in the election. And then on top of that, you know, Melody mentioned voter ID, and then we think about shorter early voting windows and how there are extra hoops for college voters, um, for example, to jump through those and then other hurdles that disproportionately affect people of color, people with disability, college students. Those are all steps that Wisconsin Republican-led legislature has taken uh, in the name of of what they've said in the past of preventing widespread voter fraud. Um, A a threat, by the way, that experts agree is like practically non-existent. Uh, So really, I mean, it boils down to the people that we elect, the people that are in Madison advocating for our rights. And clearly the people that are currently there are not doing that because I still believe as a resident that April 7th should have not happened the way that it did. Period. Yeah. Everything Ayla said. Um, I want to s- switch over a little bit to talking about, Melody, like the work that you're doing in the community. Residents sometimes see community organizations as another form of social control. And this is especially seen when work and the outcomes is tied to funding and grantors rather than really authentic community improvements. And I know that with mutual aid, we sometimes get around with that, but I want to know, um, and 
I think there's a few points in the in the film where you point to some divisiveness within the neighborhood, but how have you earned trust in the community in the face of that divisiveness? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's true, right? Um, you know, let me let me just say that first. The, the, another thing too is I'm from Metcalf Park. I'm from the block, right? Um, and I have never seen to this day me being in, in, in Milwaukee for 27 years, I have never seen a true community led resident led organization. From what I know, Metcalf park is the only truly resident led organization, right? So residents are on our board. Residents are our staff, whether they are no longer staff. I mean, whether they're no longer residents, their previous residents or their current residents, right? They make up all of our staff. Um, all of our volunteers, majority of our volunteers are residents, right? Our community-led investment plans was created by residents, right? So, you know, that's what really sets us apart. So I'm, re- I'm really blessed to be able to work in my community, right? Work with the people that watched me grow up, you know, w- work with the people I grew up with. Um, and I think that that's what set up, sets us apart. And that's that's our values, right? The people who live and Metcalf Park should be able to make the decisions for themselves, and they should also benefit from any decisions being made for and about their community, right? And, you know, when we think about the culture of Milwaukee, funding is set up like that, right? So when you think about, oh, you know, this funder is specifically funding these three neighborhoods. You go to this other funder, they're specifically funding these three neighborhoods. One of the things that I'm, I'm really proud of of Metcalf Park Community Bridges, we've struggled for a very, very long time, right? We've been around since 2011 and nobody, a lot of people didn't know about us until 2020, right? We've been doing dope and amazing work and Miela was able to, to really interact with a lot of residents in a real way in Metcalf Park to really see um, the connections and relationships and values that, that not only that me and Danelle have, but our community have for themselves. So I say all that to say that the culture of Milwaukee is designed for things to keep going in circles, right? And what we're saying is we're the opposite of that. Um, so that, that might mean we don't accept all money, right? <laughs> that might mean you're only going to have a staff of two because you are not uh, just saying yes to you know, strings that are attached to fund it. And and, and that's why we've been so small this long, but able to do all of this amazing work because we're doing it with the community. So I do agree with that statement. I do agree that that's that's the culture here in Milwaukee. And I think that we are not the norm and we are not in that category um, at all. Yeah. So the story you tell in this short film is one of courage and tenacity, but also of vulnerability. What were the residents' reactions to having a film crew in the neighborhood? You know, this is this is really hilarious. Ha you wasn't there one uh, one of the filming days. Marissa was there, and I completely forgot that they were there. Like me and the community, I we completely forgot that they were right there. I, I mean, I, I, you know, we were really dodging Miela and um her team for a long, I, long time because we like, man, we out here busy. We Ashley, out here. Casey, 
Melody, I got to interrupt you. Let me, can I emphasize dodging? Can I, I wish y'all could see my face right now. Melody was dodging. We wasn't dodging. We was just so busy. And Miel was like, we're trying to capture that. She's like, we're just trying to come and capture that. We'll, 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 it, it won't be intrusive, but they really made us comfortable. It wasn't intrusive. Um, and, and the fact that, a lot of the a lot of Miela's team is is black folks, right? So that was it was a comfortability there, right? Um, and just the care, the love, all of that. Uh, they are they are a part of Metcalf Park now. They the, the community has adopted them as family. Um, and the questions that were asked were rooted in valuing the people that they were talking to. So uh, it was it was very new for us. You know, you couldn't pay me to do a podcast, to do a, a news release. A, you couldn't pay me in 2020 to do it. The only reason I've been doing it is because people need to know the work that we're doing and they need to support it. But you couldn't pay me to do that uh, before this pandemic. You couldn't. I, I, I really don't like it now. I really like to just do my work and like hang back in the shadows. But I, I wasn't able to do that in 2020. Cause I wouldn't let you. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, Ashley Casey, I will say my family and I immigrated to Milwaukee in 2003, 2004. We have been on Milwaukee's Northwest side the entire time. And I've never felt a sense of community in a neighborhood like I did in what the two or three months that I was in Metcalf park. I've never felt that in wow. any part of Milwaukee that I've lived in. My community was, you know, my cousins that were blocks away and my parents and my sisters at home, but community actually knowing what that means embodying community. I got that in Metcalf park in two months than the over 10 years that I've lived in Milwaukee. Wow. Yeah. That speaks volumes. And I, I mean, I could see it. Like that makes sense to me. It seems like a a community that is authentic and and willing and able to open their themselves up to others, which is which was beautiful. And I think you see it in in the filmmaking itself. Like I I think Ashley, you and I were talking about this before. Like we like we laughed along with what was going on. Like I felt like I was there and that, and also that I wasn't intruding either, which I think is really special and um, really well done in this film. Um, Melody or Miela, have the residents of Metcalf Park watched the documentary or the film? Um, what, what have been their reactions? And then as a follow-up, kind of what was your goal of putting this film out and what, who do you, who do you want to watch this? Let me answer the latter of your question because I think Melody has had more experiences with uh, residents at least giving you know their take on the film. It was really important for me to tell a story about Milwaukee because of what happened during the spring election. Ultimately, when I started making the film with uh, my boss, Brad Lichtenstein, I think the idea was that we wanted to tell a story about Milwaukee, but for people outside of Milwaukee, Milwaukee knew what was happening in Milwaukee. You know what I mean? We knew what happened on April 7th. It was 
outside people that knew about it very vaguely, or there were um, national reporters that were helicoptering into our city to tell the story for like two days. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of, <laughs> of helicopter journalism in that capacity. Uh, but as we became involved with Metcalf Park Community Bridges, Melody Donnell, and started truly being embraced by the community and getting to know the neighborhood, ultimately it became a story for Metcalf Park, about Metcalf Park. I realized that a lot of people don't know about Metcalf Park in Milwaukee, in my opinion. I, I was one of those people. I didn't know about Metcalf Park. And I realized that residents in Metcalf Park needed to see themselves and needed outside folks to know the trials and tribulations of what they have endured, not only with voting, but also with the pandemic. I mean, Melody can tell you COVID happened, boom, everything shut down. Where were Metcalf Park residents going to get food from? Where were they going to get toiletries from? If it wasn't for Metcalf Park Community Bridges stepping up, being out there, mutual aid, everything that they did for the people in that neighborhood, there may be a different story. There may have been a different story to tell. Mm. Woo, Miela. You know, I knew it was something about Miela when I when I met her. Um, you know, like I said, we we are very humble people. We we everything we do, we do it centered in love, right? Just just loving on each other. So I think that when we when the first film came out, the ten minute film came out, we shared that out. Um, I really couldn't watch it, and everybody, all the residents that we sent it out to, we sent the mass text, so we sent it out to. 6,500 folks. And the feedback that we got, they were just in tears. They were just shocked. And they were like, finally, somebody somebody saw us for who we really are. So then when the longer version of this came out, um, I was in tears because the, the backstory to this too is that uh, it was so much personal things going on at the same time of filming, um, for, for my family and for a lot of the families at Metcalf Park. And we were still doing the work at the same time. So it was a lot of different things, um, coming up and we weren't able to pause right during that time, you know, a pandemic elections, uh, all of these different things on top of each other. We weren't able to pause. We weren't able to breathe and we weren't able to see what we were actually building and doing. So to be able to see everything that we were doing and, capt and, and being captured, I think our whole community was like, what we do matters, right? How, how we love each other is unique. The family that we have created is real and the world is able to see it. And I think for, for our community, they was just like, finally, because Miela's right. A lot of people knew about the work we was doing. A lot of people didn't know about the work we was doing. And that's by design. Um, I know that a lot of people who knew about us that were in certain rooms, they wouldn't bring us up, even though they knew about all of the dope work that, that our community was doing. So it did a lot of different things for us. Um, we were able to blossom 
because of this film. And we were able to reclaim our value, so to speak. Are you trying to make me emotional? It's probably a good thing that you can't see my face right now. <laughs> you know, I, I'm tearing up a little bit. I'm tearing up a little bit. I'm trying to me make too. it. <laughs> I mean, and 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 let me say this to you specifically, Melody. Obviously, I knew everything. You know, once once you stopped dodging me, sis, I knew I knew everything that was going on in your life during this time of filming, and it was hard. It was hard as shit. It it was difficult. What you were going through, Melody, was very difficult. But I am so appreciative that you trusted me and you trusted our team at 371 to tell your story and to tell Metcalf Park's story. And like since this experience, you know, I tell you this all the time. We always say this to each other. We're family like for life. I really believe that. And I I speak your praises, your mother's praises, Metcalf Park's praises, whenever I can, wherever I go. I, I carry Metcalf Park with me despite not living in the community. That's the impact that you and Danelle and Metcalf Park Community Bridges have had on my life, separate from having been a co-director on this film. So I just want you to know that I appreciate you. And despite all that you've gone through and will probably still go through, your, your, your work matters. What you're doing matters. And I'm just so honored that we were able to just tell a small portion of that because I think now the city is respecting you, um, giving you the respect that is long, long overdue. Ooh. <laughs> and if people, even if you've watched this before and you just listened to that interaction, you're going to want to watch it again. Like that heart that was just shared, I'm just lucky to be in the virtual room with you right now as you shared those moments. And I... I, I want everyone to see this if they haven't already, for sure. And I know that I watched this short film through PBS, um, but I recently saw this week that it, it expires on 331, which is coming up right around the corner. But I think people should have access to this long after 331. So where can we still watch it? Because I, I want that to still be available if it, if it is available. That is a really good question. I had no idea it was expiring. Um, <laughs> some for- I was like, I saw that. I was like, what the heck? That is, well, uh, thank you for bringing that to our attention. We know now. You can find the 24-minute version and the 10-minute version on YouTube. As far as I know, it's not. <laughs> those, those videos aren't being taken down, but... If people just go to YouTube.com, type in Metcalf Park Black Boat Rising, the first two or three videos they will see is the longer 24-minute version from World Channel and the 10-minute version from The Intercept. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm glad to hear that it's still going to be on YouTube. So I do we, – we are, at the sake of time, going to move to some of the next questions – I have a really quick one. I'm dying to know 
Did Destiny end up voting? Yes, she did. Yes, so, that makes me so happy. Danelle was able to go back off camera and um, you know, do the do the mother mother like, you know, talk. The community mother talk with her. So yeah, she voted. Good. That makes me happy. What's next for you? What's next? Um <laughs> The life of my filmmaking experience is chaotic. Um, It's beautiful when like the film is over and you can catch up on sleep and people are appreciating the work that you're doing, but definitely in the midst of like pre-production and production and post-production, it's extremely chaotic and you don't sleep a lot, but your passion is what motivates you to work long hours and, and, and get up early in the morning. Um, I'm working on a few projects with 371 Productions right now where I work as a producer along with just some individual projects. Uh, I can't say exactly what I'm working on, but I will say that a lot of the personal projects that I have started working on or I'm planning to work on are one, rooted in Milwaukee, because I just think that Milwaukee has so many more stories that I would like to tell. And then two, the stories that I tell center Black people and Black women in particular, because I just think that there aren't enough stories about Black women being told. And I feel a responsibility as a Black woman. Um, Right now, I'm super, super excited because on Monday, we are signing the contract with the city to purchase three uh, city-owned foreclosure homes, and we're going to be redeveloping those homes and putting our people that already live in Metcalf Park in safe, affordable, lead-free housing. So we are doing housing. We are creating community-owned housing. We are also working with the health department and the mayor's office to get some community COVID-19 vaccine clinics in Metcalf Park and in Imani we're working with the Dominican Center, Northwestern Mutual, to make that happen because we don't have a site in the 53210 area right now. So we are collectively getting that done. And that'll be on the 27th of March and the 31st of March. We're still doing the mutual aid. We launched the Metcalf Park Freedom Shop where folks can come in and do a contact list pickup for all of the things that they need. And it can get dropped off, too, if they're homebound. Thank you both so much. Those are great projects that you're both working on. And I'm so glad to see what comes of them. And as you all know, we love to end our episodes with action steps. So what do you want listeners to be left with um, or what action item do you have for listeners um, as they wrap up this episode and go be active community members? I love, I love, love, love the mission of this podcast and how y'all ended like this. Uh, My action steps to listeners is one, if you have the means, please go out and vote Please encourage your friends and your loved ones to vote. Give them a ride if they're unable to. Uh, And also, again, if you have the financial means, please donate to organizations like Metcalf Park Community Bridges. 
Yes. Um, stop Asian hate. Um, you know, show up in solidarity. You know, figure out how you can be a, a good co-conspirator in this movement of ensuring that all Black lives and all BIPOC folks matter, um, especially in the times that we're in and all of the injustices that's happening um, nationally. And donate, right? You can donate time. You can volunteer to support the Metcalf Park Freedom Shop, or you can send monetary donations to support our housing and our mutual aid efforts. So visit our website at metcalfparkbridges.org. And like our Facebook, we're trying to we're trying to get digitally engaged with y'all. So like our Facebook, Metcalf Park Community Bridges, and like our Instagram, Metcalf Park Twenty Twenty. Period. Everything. Everything she just said. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Melody and Miela, for joining our show. Thank you to our listeners, and thank you, of course, to our patrons. If you love today's episode or want to check out the episode on PBS, you can watch on YouTube and we will have that information in the show notes. Um, also, if you listen to this podcast more than twice per year, I have a last action step for you. Please support us on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash bridge the city podcast. We quite literally could not do this without our supporters. If you're not there yet, that's okay. We'd still love to hear from you. If you have someone you'd like us to interview or if you yourself are doing something amazing in the city, please write us and share how you are helping bridge the city. Bridge the city.